We are good. Hello, everybody. We are officially live on YouTube and we'll be on Anchor and all available podcasts, Google, Spotify, you name it. All those available podcasts the next day. This is episode number 73 of Coffee Time. Alongside me via StreamYard is former major leaguer. If I'm got if I got this correct, you played for three different teams. It says, uh, well, at least you made the pros with them three uh, for these three teams: the Rockies, Diamondbacks, and Reds. There you go. Yep. Perfect. Jordan Pacheco, everybody. Did I say that right or did I say it wrong? You did. That's impressive. You said that right, man. Kudos. Kudos. <laughs> Usually I get names wrong, so I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, Hallelujah. Yeah, man. <laughs> that was good. I'm impressed. Why, thank you. So, let's get started. I want to get right to it. You already know I got to ask you. I'm sure you still keep up to date on it. The lockout. I know you personally didn't go through it as a player, but... It's honestly got to suck for these players, don't you think? That they can't really do anything. They have to figure out what they got to do to handle themselves, work out-wise, etc., get ready for the season, whenever that may, may be. It's got to suck for them, don't it? Um, yeah, I think so, but uh, I would say mostly for the young the young kids, I think it kind of kind of hurts them a little bit. Um, they're used to talking with the, the front office, but and the coaches and stuff but you know at this time they're they're at the big leagues if they're on the 40-man roster they know what they need to do in the offseason they know how you know they can everybody's really accountable i think now and you can kind of see that from instagram facebook and watching these guys they work out all the time they're they're focused they want to be their best so i think it hurts you know some of the younger guys kind of trying to make their way into the big leagues right now. We're on the 40 man who are, you know, what position are they going to play? What, what do they kind of need to focus on? I think you're right in that aspect. Um, but they know what they need to do to get prepared. You know, they need to, they need to work out. They need to hit, they need to throw, they need to, to get their, be in the best shape when they show up. So I think you're right in, in some of that aspect with the younger guys, but I think for the most part, they know what they need to do, but yeah, the communication, you love that communication. You right. need that with your players. What was your what was your regimen to get you ready for a game when you played? For a game, um, you know, it, it all depended. I think I think every year kind of it, it it kind of you know changed organically depending on what position I was playing. I played so many positions. It was, and then you know, day to day, kind of you know, I don't I didn't know where I was going to be on the field if I was going to be playing if I was need to be ready to pinch hit. Um, I need to be talking with the pitchers that day if I was going to go into catch later. So there, there was just a lot of things that I kind of had to cover. Um, and as I, as I got older, I got, you know, a little more comfortable with it and just having my process at the field, showing up, working out, getting ready, doing my hitting, doing whatever I needed to do defensively on the field, whether I was playing the outfield, infield, catching. Uh, so those are the things that, you know, just the little process things that you kind of, you know, get your brain, get your body ready to play at 7 o'clock. Now, you, you basically led me to my next question because you said it yourself. According to my information, I know you since you said you played everywhere, which I agree you did, but to well, from my research, you mainly played, it says, first base and catcher. For 
guy who was mainly every position like you were, how how tough is that to play every position, or is it just like another, you know, another thing that you already know about? You know, how difficult is it to learn another position? Um, I think it's it's definitely difficult. It's not easy, especially when you're trying to do it at the big league level because you need to perform every day. You need to be out there and you you need to perform. Nobody cares if you're ready or not. You got to do whatever you can to win the game that day and help your teammates out and, and your organization. So, uh, yeah, it is difficult. And I would say that I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the game of baseball, being able to play everywhere on the diamond. I think that's kind of helped me transition into this, you know, coaching role that I'm going into now and, and just understanding the players and what they're going through. And I think that's going to be, the biggest thing that I'm going to be able to offer these guys is just being able to, to be able to relate and relate on an everyday level of what they're going through on the field, off the field, and just trying to help them show up to the field and be the best player they can be that day. So, so yeah, it, it definitely was difficult, but I, I learned so much about the game. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about my teammates and I can respect every position on the field and just even first base, you know, people say, Oh, well, we'll just put them at first base. Mm -hmm. That's a hard, that's, that's a definitely not, it's not an easy position, especially at the big league level. There's so many things that you have to be aware of and so many things that you have to know um, that it's not just a throw the guy out there at first or left field. Like those, there's, it might be the easiest out of all nine positions, but it's, there's still a lot of a lot of skill that has to go into those those positions and those things and a lot of practice. Yeah, when you played in Colorado, you had big shoes to fill when you played first base. Todd Helton, I mean, that was big <laughs> big shoes to fill. Actually, I think my shoes were bigger than his. I think his. He, he, I think I wore a twelve. I wore a twelve. I think he wore like eleven or so. Well, oh, yeah, because well, right. yeah, I think he retired before you before you made your debut, right? I think I can't remember when um, he retired. No, yeah. actually, no. I got to um, I had to play with him a full season. Um, actually, I, I came up in September of eleven, and his last year was um, I want to say it was two thousand thirteen. I want to say it was his last year, and that was my second year. And that mm-hmm. you know I, I got to I got to actually come up and and he got hurt the first half of the year. So I kind of got to play first base a lot that year. And, and which was great because I got to, to talk to him all the time, especially early work fielding grounders or whether we were in the cage hitting, it was just an unbelievable resource to just talk baseball with and, and kind of just get to know as a person. Was he a true leader in a clubhouse? Like everybody said he was how much of a good guy he was. Oh yeah. I mean, when you play for that long and you have, you know, I mean, he was even, I mean, he's quarterback in in college, you know, he he just had that, he had that mindset and that leadership kind of just persona when, whenever he came to the field, like that's Todd Helton. And anytime he talked, anytime he would say something, you know, the room's quiet, everybody, everybody's ears, you know, you're giving him his ear, ear, everything, silence. And, and so, yeah, I think, you know, and when I come in, I mean, when I was there, he was, he was the guy, you know, obviously we had a bunch of good players on that team, but you know, Todd Helton, he's in my, in my, in my opinion, he's a hall of famer. So. 
Oh yeah, by far he should be. I don't know if he will be if the you know the so-called voters will put him in, but we'll see. Let's hope so. Let's hope so, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever the Coors Field, whatever it doesn't matter. Now, like you said, you you played with a lot of good players. You played with him. You played with um, Tulo. You played with uh, Cargo. Etc. What 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 do you think? Why it didn't pan out? You guys made the playoffs a couple years, but why do you think it just didn't ultimately pan out for you getting the World Series ring, which every player wants to get? Obviously, uh, I think I, I really do think the um, just kind of the elevation in, in Denver kind of gets to you. You know, you're there. You know, obviously, you get these. You know, you have 80, 80 home games there, mm-hmm. and and I think that I mean I know I remember in thirteen we did we started off really hot every year we'd start off really well and we would be right there in first place till about the halfway mark and I think guys just got tired I think I think if you know you know it's great now that I'm back in that organization if we can figure out something along those lines especially at that higher level to to get these guys rest and especially that pitching staff you know guys come out of the bullpen and you know. It's tough. You got long games sometimes. They go four hours, and that wears on you. And and it's tough to to stay locked in for that long. And it's tough to stay locked in for a season when you have those games over and over and over again. So I think if we can just figure that that aspect out and and keep the guys as fresh as possible, the, I think you, you know you. you you're going to get hitters in Colorado. You're going to get guys who yeah. can mash, and they've always been able to get guys who could hit. And it's just, you know, finding the guys that can pitch there a full season, which is tough because, you know, you know you've, you've seen the route. They brought in guys. They spent money on the bullpen, and it just hasn't panned out because it's just – it's a whole other animal, and it's just a whole other thing that we got to figure out. Yeah, that led me to my next question now. Is it true what they say? Because you obviously played there – alongside those greats and and those uh you like you said about the pitchers is it true what they really say about that ballpark the what they do to the balls do they feel different are they humidified or whatever like they say there is like there's a fridge or something and they do what they do to the balls to make them fly or something is that true? Uh, well well yeah they do have the humidor and the humidor was put in a long time ago i believe and i think they even put one when i was there in colorado springs just so the ball wouldn't fly as much. But I think what people don't understand is that it's not the ball that flies out of the yard. It's it's that outfield so big, and it's just the, the hits that drop in right over the infield, and that's what leads to like the long innings, and that's what leads to the big innings, because then you get the big hit. But you got three guys on from you know maybe cheap singles or a broken bat that just fly, flew over the infield. So... That's a whole, you know, maybe it's position. Maybe it's, you know, figuring out the best way to shift and, and position guys on that field that allows you to have a chance every night. Now, I'm a Padre fan, so to me, the NL West is a difficult, difficult division for, for sure. Now, when you played, how difficult was that division, playing, playing, those, playing those teams 18 times a year, 17 times a year, however much it was, I mean, you had the Diamondbacks who were pretty good. The Padres, they were still iffy, but they still had good players. Mm-hmm. 
Then you had the Dodgers who spent all that money and you guys who had all the all that good talent as well. How difficult was that division, especially going up against each other that many times a year? Yeah, I think it was. It's a great. Div- I mean, now I, th- I mean, obviously you see it now. It's it is the division, in my opinion. I mean, you have the Dodgers, you have the Giants, and you. Had, yeah. I mean, you had the Padres for a while, um, especially right there at the end. So, and I, it's just going to keep, you know, because those better, teams are spending yeah. money now. Yeah, yeah, they're getting better. So <laughs> it's not going to get any easier. When I was there, it wasn't. I don't think it was as hard as it is now. I don't think the competition was where it's at now. Um, I think you have a lot of good organizations who are stepping out of the box, especially look at like San Francisco. They're, they figured some things out over there and they got a system over there now that seems to be really good. And, you know, San Diego's going to, I think they're going to bounce back and they're going to figure it out. I think, especially when they got, you know, a new skipper in there now who knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. You know, I think he's going to have that respect as soon as he steps in the door and especially of those, of their players they got big time players and they want to win and i think that's going to be a good mix for them um so yeah i think it's just going to get harder and i think you no know, but again it's just it's about building that chemistry it's about finding that system for your team and the rockies have an advantage in my opinion you're at elevation and guys have to come play you and i think that you know yeah they're only in there for maybe a, a series or two but I think you can have an advantage and you can find that advantage somewhere. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> if I did, if I did, they, uh, I'd be, I'd be in the front office somewhere with them. But, um, so yeah, so I think there is an advantage there. Now, like you said, you're back with the organization. Um, I got to ask you now, Trevor story has been a hot topic since last year with being traded, wanting to be released or whatever. Where do you see him going, or do you see him possibly sticking with the organization? <laughs> you know, I I really have no idea. I mean, I, I got to uh, I got to kind of watch Trevor Story come up when I was when I was playing. And, yeah, um, you did when you were there. Yeah, and, and you know, he's a, he's a great player. He's an amazing player. He's you know, kind of one of those one time one time guys that you want on your team he's a he's a leader he can he can do it all especially play that position um so again i have no idea i wish i was in those conversations in those rooms and got to have a little say but um i don't so you know you you hope for the best and you hope you keep you keep a guy like that that can lead your team and and definitely is a a big time player at that position now you got into it briefly on what when um what you said the Rockies need to do to get to the level of say the Padres, the Giants and the Dodgers in the division to compete with them. Uh what more do you think they have to do? Is it pitching wise, hitting wise? What is it that they need to do? Do they need to develop more, draft more? What is it that make what you think needs to happen for them to reach that level of those three teams? Yeah, I, and I, I think they're doing it right now. I think they did it with bringing in Bill Schmidt. I mean, I, I, that guy was for me. I, you know, he was he was a pro scout when I was coming up, and somebody that I got to talk to a bunch and that I got to kind of learn from. And and obviously Chris Forbes. I think those guys are are doing something that that's going to be special. And then you know you you're gonna you're gonna see it. And you know, like oh they. They're not doing anything. They're not, but these guys are actually really changing stuff. And, and 
I think they got a good group of coaches now that, you know, me just meeting all of them coming in. Um, I think there's a lot of smart people in this organization. And I think, you know, they're doing stuff with the analytical department that they haven't done before and that they're, they're focusing more on. And obviously that's where the game is going. And, and I think once those guys get in there and are able to talk to the baseball minds and they're able to mesh, I think you're going to find, you know, they're going to find a strategy and they're going to find something that really sticks and is kind of able, you know, that kind of helps the Rockies kind of set themselves apart and, and find their little groove and, and win some golf, win some baseball games. Now, besides pitcher, you obviously play catcher. Those two positions, I think, are your toughest to play. Um, but for you personally, how difficult was it dealing with all them pitchers? Because you have to learn every single one of what they throw, where they like, etc. How difficult is it truly how difficult position that is to, to play in the game? Yeah, I think at that level, it's it's definitely it's definitely a difficult position. You uh, you know you have you know twelve, thirteen guys that are trusting you. They're trusting you to understand who they are as a pitcher. They're trusting you to understand who the hitter is. They're trusting you to understand the situation. They're trusting you to you know be able to talk to after the game on on what you see and to give them an an honest answer, you know, Hey, how was my stuff tonight? You know, you you have to be honest with them. And so it it definitely is a tough position in that aspect because you just have to be on that, you know, that level of kind of like a leader. And for me, when I was, when I was, you know, I was still, you know, first or second year when I was doing some of the catching in the big leagues. And and that was tough because you're dealing with a guy like Latroy Hawkins (laughs) who has played for, you know, 14 years and he's going, Hey, what, 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 what are we going to pitch? What are we going to throw right here? And he's asking me and I'm like, you're Latroy. Like, Whoa, I don't know. What do you want to, (laughs) you know, but they want you to have that answer. They want you to be confident in what you see. They want you to be confident who you are behind the plate. So I think, you know, I think I respect so many young catchers who come up and kind of are able to kind of stick it out and find their groove and, all of a sudden they got a whole major league. It's their major league staff and to have that confidence and to be able to run the show like that. And I, I see those guys now, some guys that I played with that, you know, were catchers and who, who are running the shows now. And, and man, it's just, it's, it's really cool to see. And, you know, you can kind of see from there just their personality who, you know, yeah, they were going to be able to do that for sure. So did you have, did you, did you always did the pitchers always agree with what you wanted to throw? Because you knew their weapon draw, and you pulled down the fingers as most catchers do, because that's what you do. So you know what pitch, so they know what to throw. How many times did you get denied on what you wanted them to throw? How many times? I know, I know, I know oh, that happens man. a lot in the game. It it does. Yeah, I, I I think some you know, I mean, there's sometimes when you know I would come in, uh, you know, during a game, and I'd be like, hey, man everything I'm putting down is, is, is not it. So either I'm seeing it wrong or I'm just not calling the right pitches. Mm-hmm. So you, let, we got to talk about that, you know? So I would definitely admit too, when I was not, when I was not on my game or the things I was seeing weren't right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a fun position though. Cause you're involved in so much and you, and when you're kind of put in the fire like that, you learn so fast and you just learn that you, 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 
you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe in your eyes. You got to believe in what the game has taught you coming up through the, through the levels. And you just got to go with your gut sometimes and, and, and play baseball. So do you still talk to any of your teammates that you had in car in Colorado? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I still, you know, we, we text every now and then and, you know, guys, you know, obviously when I got the hidden coach job, they, they, they texted me and, you know, congratulated me and stuff. And, but yeah, some of these, some of these guys are, you know, lifelong friends. They've been, you know, they were at my wedding and, you know, I'll, I will, I'll, I'll talk to them, you know, till, <laughs> till the good Lord takes us, you know? So, um, it, so yeah, we, I, I keep communication with a lot of guys and I got to play with so many teams, you know, I think like six teams overall. So I have, I have so many good relationships. My wife and I have so many good relationships and it just keeps kind of going, coming full circle and we keep running into people that I, we played with, I played with and, and it's great. So, you know, now we all got kids and it's a whole different lifestyle. You know how that goes. Yeah. Now me personally, even though I never played the game, I played it little league and I played an adult league here and there as well. I hated the unwritten rules of baseball did you, as a player, like or hate the unwritten rules of baseball, or do you even know what the unwritten rules are as a player? Um, uh, man, I, I think you'd have to like we'd have to like really go down the line of all the unwritten rules of baseball and and really hash them out to see what I really believe. You know what I still believe to this day. Um, but yeah, I still think the game is played on that level. I still think it needs to be. You know, it's 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 America's pastime. That's what they call it, right? So, and I still think the game. You know, obvious. It's 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 evolved though, and I think everything evolves and everything changes. And but I still think you know the bones of it are the same, and I think they should stay the same. But it, it's it's evolved, and man, we it's it's just a, it's a great game. It's just becoming even better. I think. You know, we got. We got all these, these, you know, we have, you know, coaches who, who, like you said, like, you know, never played at the big league level, never mind, not even played at the the minor league level, but they're big league coaches or they're, or, you know, they're minor league managers or, you know, we have, we have, we have women, you know, women that are, that are managing and we have women in, in, in organizations at high levels doing things. And I think that's, that's, that's great because it's just brings in another set of eyes that aren't the same eyes and i think that's what helps these some of these teams become you know kind of take that next step so yeah i think we want to talk about unwritten rules and stuff but you know but you know i just think it's you just got to evolve with the game and you got to love it for what it is and and to me it's just it's a chess game all the time and you just you you want to find that you want to find that niche before somebody else does, and you just want to use it as much as you can before somebody else finds it out. That helps your team or helps a guy maybe get to the big leagues and stay there for a couple of years before anybody else even knows what he's doing. And so that's like the cool part about baseball is just, but yeah, it's, so yeah, I kind of went on along with that question a little You're too good. far. You're good, you're good, no worries. <laughs> I, actually like, I actually liked how you answered that. So now, Let's talk about manager-wise, since you're obviously managing. I got to ask you, we see, I'm, I, I, you're, hit man, hit, you're a hitter manager, a hitting manager. There you go. There, there you go. go. Much better. <laughs> I got to ask you, you, you know, we mainly see managers that are uh, catchers or pitchers. 
we never rarely see a position player get a managerial job. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's mainly catchers and pitchers that get the managerial jobs? Uh, well, I think just, you know, you just kind of based off kind of like our, you know, a couple of our starting questions is that's that's who's involved in the game the most, right? You, you have the pitchers and you have the catchers and they're, and they're the, you know, the catcher's obviously involved in half the game pretty much, catching half the pitches. And he's seeing the game from a, a point of view that nobody else is seeing it. He has to understand who's running. He has to understand where the shifts are. He has to understand the, the, the hitter, where, where that guy is weakness. Is he hot right now? Is he not doing well? Can we get this guy to roll into a double play? And I think the pitcher thinks along that lines too. He can't see everybody behind him, but he has to know the hitters. He has to know the positioning of where guys are at. He has to know, obviously, how to run a bullpen. Like, you know, all those pitchers sit down there all the time, and, and that's managing a bullpen. It's managing those guys that are coming every, like, you know, you got to talk to them. You got to know who, you know, from, you know, to, you know, a sentence of a conversation, okay, this guy's ready to go tonight. Or, hey, I talked to him earlier. He, he, needs, he needs a little bit of rest or he needs a day, you know. So I think that's why you see pitchers and you see catchers becoming managers at that level. Not to say that nobody else can, and just that they have that experience that you kind of don't have to go through as, you know, position players. Yeah, position players, but they do think about the game that way. You know, they think, ah, who we bring in right now? Like, ah, this guy's not doing well. They still think along those lines, and I think you're seeing more, you know, position guys, you know, do well in that managerial spot because they love, you know, especially when they love the analytics and they love the data and and they're able to use that to their to their philosophy and have a process with it. I mean, I think, yeah. But I, yeah, it's that's kind of like that old school. You didn't have to really, didn't really have to do much with a catcher, you know, becoming a manager because he knew how to talk to the pitchers. He knew how to run the bullpen. He knew where the position guys. He knew how to run a scouting report. You know, he knew when the guy when you know when the guy tell the guys to pinch hit or get ready to pinch hit. He was kind of seeing a couple moves before where maybe some of these position guys maybe don't, they don't, you know, they're worried about, you know, where they got to be positioned, how to field the ball, you know. So, so yeah, I think that's kind of why you see it. But, again, I think it's it's kind of going away from that. But you, you never know. You personally, would you want to take on that responsibility? I know you're a hitting manager right now, hitting coach right now. <laughs> Do you want to work your ranks up to getting that kind of managerial position? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think that's – I love the challenges of this game like we kind of talked about. And I love I love that part of the game. I love being able to, to help guys put them in the right position to, to be their best. And there's no better place to do that than, than running a clubhouse. There's no better place than, you know, you're you're the guy who sets the tone every day when you walk in. You're the guy who, who guys come to talk to when they're not when they're struggling. Like you you are the guy who is making you're creating the atmosphere. You're creating, you know, the mindset of the players and you're putting that out on the field. So yeah, I would love to I think have that responsibility um, down the road. I think, you know, just getting into it, I would love to, to see somebody who's done it and definitely have a, a guy that I get to kind of learn from, Warren Schaefer, who's one of my buddies. Uh, but he's been managing for a long time, especially um, um, at the minor league level for, I think, eight, nine years now. 
So just being able to kind of talk to him and see kind of how his process is and how he works. And then I can develop who I am as a coach and who I want to be as a manager. And, you know, kind of same thing as a player. You just, you want to get to the big leagues, but some guys aren't ready right away to get to the big leagues. They need that time. They need to, they need some mentors. They need to see some guys do it that are, you know, right in front of them. And, and create who they are as a player and become who they are as a player. So that's kind of how I feel about coaching now. Now, let me ask you, what can MLB do to better market their players? Because you got a lot of good players out there that <laughs> nobody even know about. How can MLB change or fix that in your in your opinion? Oh man, that's a that's a good question. Um... Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of good players that a lot of guys that you know the world doesn't know about. And You'd have to literally watch MLB TV all the games <laughs> every day to watch you know find these players. Right, right, right. Yeah, and you'd have to be a you know kind of a big minor league guy too to kind of follow some of these guys or an avid fan that that likes you know you know loves your organization. So. I don't know, man. I would have to think about that question, but I think I think there is definitely there definitely could be a possibility to help, you know, and that would make the game more popular because there's so many good young players out there now. I think that's kind of where they got, you know, just we just had this wave of young players just come up like so fast. And kind of those old guys who had the names kind of just, you know, they kind of just they kind of just dissipated and 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 left and so now it was like, well, you know, we don't, we got to kind of do stuff now. We got to kind of promote these young guys who just came into the game so fast. And so, yeah, I think they'll figure it out and maybe they'll figure it out in this CBA and maybe help so. some of these younger guys and, and be able to promote this game. And cause it's, it's a great game and you know, it, it doesn't need to be doing, you know, where it's at right now. But I hope so. I game. hope you're right on that because I hate the, I hate how it is right now. I'm tired. I'm a Padre fan and I'm tired of hearing about, the Dodgers, the Phillies, <laughs> the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Cubs, the White Sox, all of them major city teams. Like, right, I get it. Right. I get it. I get it. That's where most people are. But come on. Promote other teams. They got good players on other teams. They do. Promote they them. Do. Like, my mm-hmm. Padres, for example, I know they're trying to do that with Tatis. But mm-hmm. it's it just doesn't feel like the same like the other places. Right. I I right. just don't get it. I really don't. And yeah. Especially here where I'm at right now, the Rays. You got all these good mm-hmm. players, and they don't <laughs> even do it. Baseball don't do anything to help promote the Rays at all. Don't yeah, they, and they're and they're they're a great they're a great organization too. I think they won they won at every level last year. I think yeah. they got second at like low A. They yeah. got second, but every other level they they were first. So they have unbelievable prospects. They got unbelievable players. Um, obviously, they're doing something that everybody wants a piece of. As you can see, they're always everybody's cherry picking their coaches all the time. So, so yeah, they, they yeah, teams like that need a little bit bigger voice, and especially you know, yeah, Tampa. It's it should be it should, something should happen. Now let's talk about. Cincinnati, what do they need to do? You played with Cincinnati, I think. I think from what I see, a year, right? You played a year with them. Yeah, about half a year. I was there for half a year, yeah. and then I got what designated. Do, what do so, they need? But... What do they need to do to improve? 
they had a good run last year. Um, I think they had they. I think they have some pieces in there that I think are going to be kind of special. They obviously have. I mean, they got the rookie of the year, which he's a stud. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's John pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Florida guy. Um, is he okay? Um, I mean, and then you know you got you got their you know Joey Votto, who's always who's always you know he just keeps getting better and better somehow. <laughs> the ageless wonder. Yeah. Um, he's a special player. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they need to do, but you know, I, I know they had a good, you know, they had a good run last year. They won some games. Obviously they, they didn't end well, but they, they had a good run last year for, for quite a while. So I think they're going to be able to kind of go off that and, and see, but again, like, they got good players. They got to find their niche. They got to find their process that works. And I think that's kind of where, you know, every club's at. Now, you made your debut as a September call-up, September 6th of 2011, obviously <laughs> for the Rockies. What do you remember most about that About that experience? Oh, yeah. It was, it, I mean, that's... It's it's kind of a whirlwind when that kind of happens because uh, at first my whole car was packed up um, from AAA and I was going home. I lived in Albuquerque and you know, I was in Colorado Springs, so I was driving home. And the manager kind of called me and was like, "Hey, you know, right after the because my car was packed up, ready to go home after the game." And he's like, called me in. He's like, "Hey, instead of going Colorado Springs, you're going to Denver, and you're playing that night." And I said, "Oh, okay." He's like, "And you're playing third, which." I'd never played third. I played third like one game in AAA that year, mm-hmm. my whole life. <laughs> so now I'm playing third, at, you know, my debut in the big league. So definitely, but you don't care. Like you're nervous, but you know, it's just a game of baseball, and right. you're you're so excited. You're just excited to put on that uniform. You're excited just to get that you're at bat to to say that you're officially a big leaguer. You know, you you just want to make sure that that sticks, and you get to play, and you get in the game, and um, so being able to start and being able to, I think my first at bat, I got a hit, um, and actually it was off of one of my buddies who I played the fall league with before, so it wasn't as nerve wracking. I'd already, I caught him in fall league for you know a month and a half, so I already knew what he had. It wasn't overwhelming at all, so it's just a great experience and. You know, then the next day my parents were able to get there and I think I was able to hit my first home run and there's just, there's just a lot of good things and you just, you just look back and you just, you know, now I look back and I go, man, that was really special and special for a lot of people that kind of helped me along the way to kind of see me get there and but put their time in with me. Maybe it was a hidden coach. Maybe it was a trainer. Maybe it was just a guy, an older guy who kind of, you know, gave me their ear for a little bit when I was struggling um, so yeah, I think they, they all have a part in that and it's not a one man show and your parents definitely love it. And, you know, especially for my dad and we put in all that time when I was a kid. So it's just a cool moment. Did you get to keep, did you get to keep those, um, did you get to keep those balls? Your first hit, your first oh, home yeah. run? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You get to keep, yeah, you get to keep them. Well, I, I, home runs are kind of tricky, I think, because they get hit into the fans, but I hit to center field. So it was in the in the water, so they got I got to keep it. The bullpen got it for me. There so you go. That was yeah. I, I was a smart hitter. I knew I knew where to hit the ball. To keep the to keep them. So yeah, but you get to keep all that stuff, which is cool. And you know, I, at 
the time it doesn't, you're like, oh, it's just another baseball. Here you go, dad. But then when you kind of look back on it, you're like, oh man, that's actually, it's a lot of hard work going into that one hit, you know, or that one home run. There's a lot of time put in just to get that. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Uh, so you, you, you actually did, completed that season after you were called up. You did actually pretty good. You did two eighty six, two home runs, fourteen RBI. I mean, that's a good start to your career, don't you think? That whole that whole month with them, that's a good start yeah, to your career. It, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't complaining about it. It definitely gave me confidence, kind of going into the off season. That hey, man, I think I actually can play at this level for a little bit, and and you know you. you kind of you kind of start seeing yourself as a big leaguer now not just you know a guy trying to you know fulfill his dream or or make some you know make something of himself you kind of see yourself man i'm, I'm a big league baseball player i can i can play at this level i can compete with the best best players in the world so yeah it definitely was a great you know month for me and being able to take that into the off season it was it was good and the following year you were runner-up for looks like national league rookie of the year how how'd you feel about that? You went three oh nine, five home runs and fifty four RBI. That's pretty good for your rookie year. Yeah, it it, it was good. Every like you know, baseball is such a game of, of being in the right spot at the right time, especially when you're coming up. Obviously, some of these guys are really talented, and they're like the one percent. And you see them. You see some of these guys, you know, like a Tatis, like you talked about, and you know those guys are going to get their chances, and they're you know they're paid a lot of money in the beginning they played well they did what they're supposed to do you know being a ninth rounder you know you get a little money you get you know you get some looks you get some opportunity but you got to perform you got to do it at every level and that's what i had to do i had to do it rookie ball short a low a high a double a and then i even had to you know i had to come back to triple a that 2012 in the beginning and i had to prove it again that i deserved to be there so it's you know it it and then I got lucky, you know, guys got hurt and I got kind of thrown in there and they didn't have any other options. And <laughs> it's nice when, you know, a Nolan Arenado, they don't think he's ready for the big leagues. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah. well, they don't, they don't have anybody else to play third. And, you know, you played third the month of September. That's your experience. And they're like, well, we can go with him. He, he can play somewhat third. He's a kind of an infielder. So... It's good. I got a lot of, you know, lucky breaks and guys got hurt and I got to play and I played well. And, you know, my defense obviously wasn't the best because I never played third and I'm playing it at the big leagues and I had to learn. And, you know, Tracy was great. Jim Tracy was great with me about that. He said, hey, you play well, you stop making errors, you get to play every day. Okay, and we'll stop double switching you. Okay. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll try, I'll do my best. I'll do whatever I can. So, yeah, but, you know, you put in that time during the season, you get better, and you start making plays. You know, I got a little maybe I can't play at this, you know, this position now. So yeah, I got a lot of lucky breaks. Guys got hurt, and, which you don't want to happen. But right, as right. a young player, it gives you it gives you a chance to show who you are. And and then when you get that kind of chance, and and you do something with that opportunity, because a lot of guys are good and they get those opportunities, and they maybe they're just not playing well at the time, and it stinks because then they get labeled. Yeah. For, you know, the rest of their career, out, he can't play at this level. You know, so which I was lucky I got to play and I got that confidence from the year before and I got to step in and 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 kind of just keep, you know, building off of that. And when you give a major league baseball player a little bit of confidence, they're pretty good for a while, you know. 
So you see those guys when the confidence goes, a lot of that stuff goes no matter how good they are. Do you remember who you went up against for that rookie of the year? Um, well, I know, I, I actually, I know Bryce Harper won it that year. Um, and I don't know who else was in it. I just know Bryce was in it because I think he won it. Um, I got to play with him like his first in fall league. That mm-hmm. was his first experience of professional baseball. And it was, <laughs> I mean, to see where that guy, you know, has gone from, you know, a 17 year old coming into professional baseball and just as the, like I said, he's that 1% of just raw talent that has it, has it up here. He has it, you know, in here, he believes in himself and he's good. I mean, that's a very, it's a very tough combination to beat. And he had it all. He had it from the beginning. He knew he was good. He had the, you know, the little bit of cockiness that he, that he was good and he had the skill. So, and, you know, I got to, so being able to go up against him, I think I'm pretty sure he won it that year, which rightfully so. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, then, you know, looking back, all the guys I got to play with too, was great. So in over 270 games where Colorado, you hit 281, eight home runs, 98 RBIs. Uh, is there any specific moments besides your call up with them that you remember the most that it was your welcome to the big league moment? Besides your call-up. Besides my call-up, you know, I um, I think I think when we, we've actually played, we played the Giants, and um, I was playing really well at the time. This was in 13, and I was getting to play a bunch because Todd was out, and um, I, it was, the game was tied. It was like 5-5, and I came up. They actually... Um, there was runners on second and third and I was hitting, I was hitting fifth. I think I was hitting high in the lineup and they walked cargo, you know, the base was open and Bumgarner was, but in, but Bumgarner was pitching who I've, you know, I, I had some success off of early. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was, I was just kind of in the moment and he, he, you know, I just got a first pitch heater and I knew where he, you know, he was obviously going to try to, jam me like he you know and i got to hit i hit it over the fence i hit a grand slam and that was my first grand slam ever that i've ever hit in my life you know besides like minor league baseball and it was you know at that level it was against you know division rival you know you're playing the giants and it's up you know one of the best pitchers you know in the game at that time and i think you know obviously his, his career is unbelievable and um, so being able to do that, you know, being able to run the bases around that in that moment was really kind of like, man, this is, it's pretty big time. It's pretty special. So then you go from Colorado to the Diamondbacks, another division rival. You were claimed off rate waivers by them. You hit 272 in 47 games for them in 2014. You go from another hit, you go from a pitcher-friendly park to kind of a hitters-friendly park in Chase Field, because it's indoor, you got that right porch over there that's short, and then you got, I think, left field's the same way. The only difference is center field, which is far like uh, coolers, but what was your time in Arizona, and how much did you learn from your time? And I know it was a short time there, you spent only about 50 games there. What what was what was that like playing for them? Uh, it was great. I think that was probably 
the place that I grew the most as a hitter just because I, I was doing a lot of pinch hitting, and especially 14, I was doing so much pinch hitting. And you don't get that experience until you get to the big leagues, really. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not putting your best guys – you're not teaching them how to pinch hit in triple A or double A. Like, hey, we really need to learn how to do this. You you learn how to pinch hit in the big leagues. And and at that time, I had a really good hitting coach, Turner Ward, and I always tell everybody this. You know, he got to do that for a lot of, you know, a lot of his career. He got to pinch hit. And being able to do that and have that kind of mentor as a hitting coach was unbelievable. And I learned so much in that kind of transitional period of, you know, starting to, okay, now I'm a bench player and I got to figure out how to get in these games and I got to figure out another aspect of this game and that's pinch hitting. That's one of the, to me, that's one of the toughest things to do in the game. Might be the toughest thing to do. And I got to do it and I got, and I got pretty good at it. And, and so I think that time there with him and in that role, you know, I, I learned how to handle myself. I learned how to be patient. I learned how to calm myself down. I learned how to see the game differently. I learned how to talk to guys before going up the plate. I learned how to evolve this whole different process that I still keep to this day that I think is going to help me as a hitting coach and being able to kind of empathize empathize with these guys who have to do that. And, you know, hey, maybe you're not playing every day, but this is what you need to do. This is going to, you know, relax you, help you sleep at night. Now, you flutter around, like you said, to other teams, but you also played independent ball. You played for Lexington Legends, and you went down to Mexico. You played for the Alcideros de Mon... Whatever, that Monclova. It's so hard. There you go. Your Spanish is good, man. Your Spanish is good, bro. (laughs) And Long Island Ducks. How difficult is it playing in independent ball, and did you think you were actually going to get your chance to play in the majors again. It looks like you never had that chance to. You were signed by other teams, but you just never went back to the majors. How hard was it to play independent ball to try and get yourself back up to where you wanted to be, which obviously was the majors again? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think a lot of guys see independent ball as like a shot to their ego, especially right out the gate because you're, you know, nobody want no, none of the thirty teams want you. You still think you're good enough to play in the big leagues? Yet you, they don't even think you're good enough to play on any other minor league teams. Yeah. And you know, the, you think indie ball is this oh, man? This is kind of it, kind of thing. But then once you get there, man, and you and and you find out like, like you love baseball. That's what I loved. I love baseball. I still wanted to compete, and if I could just find that atmosphere to compete and try to get myself better that was all I was looking for because I knew if I just kept playing, you know, eventually uh, I believe some breaks would happen and some, you know, some, some things happen. And I got, you know, I got to play again with, with the twins after long Island the next year, I got to play, I got to play with the Mariners after Mm -hmm. Monclova, you know, being in Monclova. And I got to have a great experience in Lexington for kind of my last hurrah with a a group of guys who big league guys who had played, you know, I was playing with Brandon Phillips, who I played with in Cincinnati and, you know, sharing a baseball field with a guy who who's there truly just because he wants to play baseball, nothing else. He, you know, he made his money, he made his money. He didn't care. He wants to just play baseball. And when you kind of get all those guys in the same room, it, it's fun because you're, you, you're all there for the same thing. Yeah. You want other guys, you want, you want to get signed, but you want the guy you're playing with to get signed too, because you know, he's there for the right reasons. You know, he's there the same reason you are. You mm-hmm. love baseball. 
and you, you root for those guys and you make some good friendships and it's, it's fun baseball. You're showing up to win. You know, there's, like I said, there's not the politics of it. You know, yeah, you, you want to win in affiliate ball, but you know, yeah, you got prospects that got to play. You got guys that need to play because they got to help your big league club. Like it's a business any ball they want to win and they, they obviously want good players. And so I, I just saw that different side of kind of brought the kid back in me for baseball and kind of like, man, yeah, I do want to keep doing this, even if I'm not playing anymore. Did you have any influence? I know you watched a game like I did growing uh, I'm I'm 30. So I grew up in the nineties watching the game. I had a bunch of guys that I idolized and wanted to play. Like, did you have, any players that you idolized growing up that you wanted to be like playing? Yeah. I mean, I think our, my generation kind of was, you know, I, I definitely had a Cal Ripken Jr. poster in my, in my, in my room. And I, that was kind of the play player I wanted to be like, you know, guy who showed up every day and who could play every day. No matter if he was dinged up a little bit, he was tough. I mean, he was Iron Man, right? So like, that's somebody you just go, man, if I could be like that guy, that's something special. And then you kind of have like, you know, and then for me, I like a Derek Jeter. I know those guys, you know, those guys are just guys who, who are gamers and you just, and that's kind of the player I wanted. I just want to be a gamer. I didn't want to, you know, I care less. I hit a ball at the park. I want, you know, if I'm up in the ninth inning and the way runs on third base, I want the coach to know that I'm getting him in. I want to be the gamer guy that they want up in those situations. Yeah, maybe I don't, you know, dazzle you in the field or I don't dazzle you doing other things, but when the game's on the line, I'm 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 gonna win. I'm gonna be my best. And I think that's kind of that you know, those characteristics I got from those guys that I just wanted to to have for myself the best I could. Do you think on Ripkin since she's brought him up? Do you think somebody will ever break his record of most consecutive games played? I don't think so. Uh, I, not I, with the way I, it's not, going. Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. I mean, you got some guys who are tough and who I got to play with. I mean, like Nolan. I think Nolan plays like 150 some odd games a year. He never wants to sit out. He wants to play every yeah, day. Yeah. And he does play good position for that. He obviously plays third base, which, you know, it's. And he plays unbelievable third base, but you know, there's not, you know, it's not like a shortstop or where he's running all around or in the outfield position. So, but yeah, I just don't, you know, they'd have to start when they're what, 25 or something like that. And yeah. Play till they're 40 yeah. now. Yeah, they would. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I don't so, think, managed, yeah. I don't think managed to this, they will allow a player to play that. I don't think. Not when you're giving a guy, I think, $340 million or however much millions they're giving some of yeah, these guys now. It's crazy, they, yeah. Be like, you need to take, you can take a day. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's go to your final game in the majors. What was your mindset of that? Did you think maybe possibly in the back of your mind you weren't ever going to play it? Because obviously it didn't end up being your final game. But in the back of your mind, did you think, oh, yeah, this was going to be my final game? being the competitor in you no 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 like i didn't think it was going to be my final game in the big leagues till i actually like said i'm done playing like i i when you when you're around this game for so long and you see so many things happen it's it's a crazy game like anything can happen yeah i mean you see guys i mean a guy that i got to play with like 
Tyler Matzik, he, you know, you see a guy like him, he was an indie ball and all of a sudden he's winning a world series. It's just like you, you just, you just never know what can happen. So you always have, and you need that, you need that faith. You need that hope. You need that belief to stay, to keep playing. And that's what I needed, you know? Yeah. You know what? Maybe I'm not where I want to be, but man, I'm having a good time and I still think something could happen. Something could happen. You know, if you just, if you just keep going and, and chugging away, something can happen. And so, yeah, I didn't think it was going to be my last game till I literally hung my cleats up in my locker and said, I'm out of here. I appreciate it. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go do something else. So let me ask you about, um, Manfred. Is there anything you think he can do to make the game better? Because to me right now, I, I I know he's trying to tweak it a little bit to make it go faster, but he's not. It's not helping the game. It's it's mm. not. So what do you think he can do? Because the games to me seem like they're way too long, way too long. Mm-hmm. Like they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be four, four and a half, five hours long. And that's pretty much <laughs> what the average game is today. Um. Oh man, I, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know if I, you know, can if I'm, if I'm knowledgeable enough at the moment to to answer that question on what exactly needs to happen. Um, I love the game of baseball for what it is. Um, uh, I got to actually experience some of you know the you know the automatic strike automatic strike zone last year, and um, I kind of left before they moved the mound back, and we're trying to get more contact out of players and. Obviously, they're not doing that this year at the Atlantic League, um, but they are putting the automatic strike zone in for for AAA this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I, I I like the game. I love the game for what it is. I, I never in my entire life was like, man, you know, oh, the games are too long. You know, maybe you're sitting there sometimes and it's fourteen to to two, and like, yeah, this game is too long and it's gotten out of hand. But you know, a close game, and I love that stuff. I love the I love the chess game of it. I love uh, I love seeing people think. I love that aspect of the game. So, and that takes time. It's it's a it's a time it's a time consuming game. And and yeah, I know the fans don't like you know they want they want to sit there for four and a half hours to see who wins the baseball game. You know, I know the number is like three hours is the attention span or something, and they want to get it close to that as possible so yeah I, I don't know if i can you know say truly what would make the game faster um again i, I kind of have some of my thoughts but i don't know if it if if they're on par if they have enough evidence to back them up yet so i'm not gonna i, I wouldn't say i'm quite yet <laughs> there you go there you go so besides coolers where you played the most out of all the parks you played in or had a chance to play in, where'd you enjoy playing the most? And what fan base did you enjoy? Because I know there's tons of fan bases out there that you mm-hmm. loved hearing out, uh, out there playing. I know you had to love some of the fan bases, especially <laughs> against the rival teams. Yeah, I mean... 
the great atmosphere is obviously San Francisco in my point out, especially, you know, the teams they had when I was there and just, you know, they were winning and it was, it was crazy. You know, I remember it was, we were a bad team at the end of the year and that stadium was packed and they were just rooting their team on and they're there every night and that thing is just loud and they stay the whole game and, Mm-hmm. You know they're they're just they're singing their songs and they're loving they're loving life and it's just a great atmosphere I think to go to the ballpark that you know you're going to get I think even one year they they weren't good and they weren't the Giants that they you know the, that everybody expected but the the crowd was still there and it was at the end of the year and they were still I love and you know the stadium that I love going to because it didn't matter if you were you know a good Rockies baseball team or a bad Rockies baseball team. They were going to make you feel like you were the worst Rockies baseball team that ever lived when you were there. So that was, to me, I love that. What's your favorite stadium? You got one? Favorite fan base besides your Padres? That's a tough one. Um, (laughs) I, I, I'd have to say, well, besides you can't, I can't say the race since that's my home. I've been, I've been to that stadium, so right. I've seen that team. I can't say the race because that's my other team. Uh, yeah. That's a tough one. Thank you for putting me on the spot. Thanks for putting the host Amen. on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, um, yeah, I'd have to go with, I'd have to go with Colorado. Seriously, it's yeah. just seeing it on TV and especially the All Star Game. How beautiful it is, the background, you see the city, the mountains. I'd have to say Colorado, honestly, and especially the atmosphere. I mean, that stadium's beautiful, and the fans show up all the time, and that's what I loved about playing there is the atmosphere. Even when we were bad, it was they were still showing up and and rooting us on. Whether they liked to or not, they were still there. You're right, man. That that stadium's beautiful. It's right there in downtown. Yeah. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. Yeah, and it's kind of tough to go against the Avalanche and the Denver Broncos. <laughs> right, I mean, there you go. <laughs> the, because the Broncos were good at that time. They had Manning and were selling out every game. They were doing it. Avalanche, yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think you guys were selling out for them. But I know at least the Broncos, yeah. they were. Broncos were doing it. And we had Tebow, man, when I was there, too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah before Tebow, Manning, man. yeah. Yeah, so that's true. <laughs> so I know, obviously, you played for Bud Black. At, uh, was he one of your managers that you learned the most from playing-wise, or did you have any other managers along the line that you played for that really taught you how to play the game or you learned the most from um. Yeah, so I, I never got to play for Bud Black. He was the manager of the Padres when I was when I was oh, okay. coming up. Okay, I knew so, it was somewhere um, around that. Somewhere. Around yeah, that. but you know, I got to definitely you know talk, to, and I love him as a manager. I think he's one of the most. I think he's one of the smartest guys in baseball, and I can't wait to kind of be on his side and be able to kind of pick his brain um, this coming spring training and. You know, he's one of those guys. As as a player, you see, man, I would love to play for that guy. But now, as like a, as as a coach, I'm gonna say, like, man, I would love to be respected like that and have that, yeah, and have that ability to just you know take over a team and and have you know guys listen to me and you know follow my lead. So yeah, I'm really excited about being uh, that aspect. But uh, 
you know, I had Jim Tracy and he was my first manager and he was somebody that I, I respected unbelievably, you know, when he, he gave me so much confidence to play the game of baseball and he, especially being a rookie. And so, so that guy, and I just loved how he commanded the room. I love how he handled his players. I love how he handled the pitching staff. Like he was just somebody that I loved to, to play for. And who I, you know, hopefully someday can use a couple of his things to, to put in my pocket and use when I'm managing someday. Um, you know, and I, and, you know, I had Kirk Gibson too. He was, yeah, good player. He's a baseball mind. Yeah. You know, and I forgot you had, had him. Great, yeah. I forgot. He, he had a great feel for the game. And those guys, when they just have so much feel for their players and they can look at you and, and they don't even have to talk to you. Like they just look at you and they know, hey, this guy's ready to go, or this guy, he needs he needs a day. You know, the the when you when you get to that level and you're able to talk to your players on that level and, and communicate and, and again have that respect and in the in the locker room, it's and that's something that you really admire about guys when they when they're when they take on a role like that. So. So definitely those two guys I got to, you know, and I had Walt Weiss. Walt Weiss was good. Walt Weiss was somebody who, you know, obviously was his first year managing the big leagues. And I think he got a lot, you know, I, I think he learned some things over his time. And, you know, look where he was at. He got to win a World Series yeah. with the Braves. Yeah, so, he did, yep, yep. You know, obviously he knew how to kind of mesh a team together and and help guys out, so... Um, yeah, man, I, I think those, you know, and I definitely had minor league managers who were unbelievable. Jerry Weinstein for me was one of the guy. I don't know if you know his name, but he's one of, Oh yeah, I know him. I've been trying to get him yeah. on the podcast. So yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well then maybe I'll help you out there. He's, he's an admiral of, of baseball. Yeah. And he's very been well with a, He's been around a lot of teams too. Yeah. So, and he, and he was someone that I was able to. You know, and I, and now I'm in the same organization again with him, and he helped me become a catcher. He taught me so many things that I didn't want to learn, but he still taught them to me anyway. <laughs> he put me through so many drills that I didn't want to do, but I, he still made me do them anyway. Yeah. So, but you know, he's he's a reason that I want to coach. He's a reason that I want to, you know, kind of take these next steps and help guys because it's people like him that cared so much about the player, didn't care where he was, didn't care where he was managing, didn't just wanted to help and loves baseball. And that's, that's somebody who you want to, you know, definitely mold yourself after. Now it's getting late over here. And before I let you go, I got a couple more questions. Yeah. And plus I know you got to get going to yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for anybody that wants to play, I know you're obviously a coaching now, but if you weren't coaching and some 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 say, I want to say, kid. Let's just say some kid like that's going through high school to college that mm-hmm. wants to go to the pros or try to go to the pros. What would you tell them, and how would you coach them? Ooh, what would I tell them, and how would I coach them? Um, man. I- I definitely would say, you know, you just gotta, you know, there's, there's obviously things you can do, I think, outside of playing that can help you, um, get seen as, as a player. But 
I think, you know, right away, you know, you, the two things that I always love is, you know, you, you got to be accountable and you got to be disciplined. And those are the two things that I think you need to, to really shoot for and work on, you know, being disciplined, everything you do every day, what are you doing every day? Is it, the, is it trying to get you better? Is it trying to get you to where you want to be? And are you being accountable? Are you, are you really holding yourself to that level? If you want to be in the big leagues, are you holding yourself accountable to a big league player? You know, you want to, you want to be the best player in your conference or the best player at your high school. Are you holding yourself accountable and are you, do you have the discipline to do it? Because that's truly, you know, at the end of the day, those are the two things that really matter. Yeah. There's guys with skill and there's guys with talent and, and those show up every day. You know, those guys are going to, you know, they're, but they're so limited of those guys. There's very small amount that can just show up and the rest of us have to be accountable and disciplined and we got to do the work and we got to, you know, we got to learn and we got to try our best. So that's, you know, that's what I would tell them. I'd say, man, those are the, that's where I would start. And you do those things, you get that, you get that right, that foundation, right. Things will happen for you and you'll be in the right spot when it's needed. And now the final question of the night is out of your home runs that you had besides your first one, yeah. what was your most memorable one that you remember may have turned the game around, may have won the game? Did you have any walk-offs? What, what was your most memorable home run? Well, my memorable home run was definitely that grand slam off Bumgarner. That was something that, you know, not many, you know, I think there's only like five guys who've ever hit a grand slam off that guy. And so to be one of those guys and they put us ahead like nine to five in the seventh inning. So that definitely was um, my, my most favorite home run. And then I think I had a walk off. Um, we had a double header early in the year in Denver. It was like 20 degrees and we'd already been out there for, um, four hours the game before and then we went into extra innings for a doubleheader the second game so we had been on the field for like 10 hours that day and it was like the 12th or the 13th inning and I got up with a guy on third just like I told you like I wanted to be that guy who he's just a gamer it's I'd been out there for you know whatever 20 innings that day already and mm-hmm. it was like you can send your team home right now okay let's, <laughs> it's time so that was like one of my favorites because it kind of You know, got a letter to walk off homer. Walk off homer would be great, but even a walk off hit in the big leagues is is something special. And now, last one is: Do you want your? Do you want your? When your kids grow up, do they want to? Or I know they're young right now, but have they? Have you? Have they told you at least they want to play and maybe want to be like <laughs> you? Or have did they even know you played? What have you told them? Um, yeah, well, they, they got to watch me play last year, you know, uh, obviously my daughter's been, she's four, so she's kind of been able to watch me play the last, you know, you know, let's say two years and understand what's going on. My son's two and a half. So last year he kind of got to understand and he was kind of asking me the other day, you know, do I get to watch you hit this year? Like, when do I get to watch you hit? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh man, like we can go to the cage, man. Like we can go to the cage there and you can watch me, but, um, but yeah, you know, they, you know, you know how to, you, your dad, you know, you know how it is. It goes from, yeah, I want to play baseball yeah. dad to, yeah. you know, Hey, I, you know what? Actually, I want to be a firefighter. 
okay, son, then we'll get you all the fire gear you need. Yeah. Now I want to be a, you know, actually I want to, you know, I want to be a chef. All right, well, let's go cook something. You know, it, it changes every day, you know, then you got like, I want to be a power ranger. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm just, you know, you just try to create an atmosphere where they, they, they have fun every day. They're outside, they're, they're loving life and they're doing some dangerous things that you question as a parent that you should be letting them do. And you just go, I you just that. hope there's not blood at the end of the day. Yep. yep. <laughs> just hope there's not blood at the end of the day and everybody's in bed. Yep. I, I, I know how you feel on that one. Yep. Our, <laughs> our kids are the same exact way. So, yep. I feel you on that one. There you go. <laughs> but it was awesome. Thank you. I had tons yep. of fun. I hope you did as well. Thank you. It was fun talking Thank some you. ball. Um, I'm going to send now the link I sent you was just for the podcast, but I will send you our episode that we just did. And that way you can also share it for your followers to listen to as well. Perfect. Um, I'll stay in touch with you. Hopefully there's a season. I want there to be a season. So hopefully I'll, uh, I'll definitely stay in touch with you for sure. It was fun. Um, I'm, I'll get back to, I'll get, well, let you get back to your parenting duties, just like I want right, to, so. too. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. I'll send you the episode and take care. All right. Be safe out there. All, All right. right. Yeah. You too, brother. Thank Thank you. you. You're, you're welcome. Take care. Jordan Pacheco, everybody. I'm glad I said that name right. I thought I was going to F it up, but tremendous conversation. Um, this will conclude episode 73 with former major leaguer Jordan Pacheco. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Google, uh, Anchor, all those podcasting apps. Until then, stay safe. I'm hoping maybe Saturday I'll have one. I don't know. We'll see. But stay safe. Don't do anything stupid. Have a good night.